That was too much. <laughs> I am the one and only because my mom was weird and got me a weird name, <laughs> Jean-Pierre. Anyway, and I'm not even French. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben, for um, asking me to speak. It's an honor always to get up here and share the Word of God with you guys. Um, and so before I get started, though, I did get a request. Is Jim and Carol Strong here? Where are they at? All right, happy 90th birthday to Jim. We just want to wish him a happy 90th birthday. That's right. Thanks for being here. We love you guys. I want to make sure I did that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when Pastor Ben asked me to speak, uh, I, I was, you know, praying what to think about. And I just gotten a chance to share over at Novi Christian, um, the chapel from my, where my kids go to high school. And, uh, and they asked me to speak on this topic, and I was like, well, of course it's top of mind. And so I didn't want to, like, just, you know, rehash. But I thought, you know, like, Lord, is this something to talk about or something different? And the Lord really kept it on me because it's something that, you know, whenever, you, uh, sometimes people don't know when pastors, you know, were tasked with speaking, you know, most of the time the word is convicting us right alongside of what we're coming up with for you, you know. And so this is a really, uh, you know, it's one of those topics I'm like, man, you know, I have to think about this. You know, there's areas in my life I've got to grow in this. So it's my honor to talk to you today about diligence. The word diligence. Now, that word diligence, okay, is not like a special word that you and I, you know, think, oh, man, I want people to know that I am a diligent person, right? You want them to know your talent, your skill. You want them to know, you know, how smart you are, how funny you are. You know, we, we project, right? We don't think about, I want them to know how diligent I am, you know. Ladies, when you were dating, or looking for a husband, you probably weren't thinking, I really like that guy. He is super diligent. I mean, he is like super on top of that. And men, did you, I don't think diligence was like a personality trait that she was on the top of your list, right? Of the girl of your dreams. You're thinking like, hey, is she fun? Is she adventurous? Does she love football? You know, that's maybe what you're thinking about your future spouse. But, but we probably don't think about diligence as like a word that is like super cool and super buzzworthy in our life. But it's a very important word. In fact, it's in the word of God a lot. And it's important that we take it for hold because I think sometimes we think about the end of our lives, you know, being faithful, being found faithful in the Lord. But we don't think about how to get there, right? You know, like it's kind of like getting to a destination anymore. We just put on the GPS and expect the GPS is going to get us there. We don't sometimes think about the routes anymore like we used to have to think or pull out a map and figure out how are we going to get there. But the word of, it's, we don't, our life isn't GPS though, right? We can't just put it in and it's figured out for us. So my goal for today is to, to encourage you and myself to diligently seek the Lord. Not just to say, yeah, I follow the Lord. But if we looked at the day of life stuff and the way the week goes and the way the months go and the way life goes, does, does that really prove that say, that's diligence in there? Because our passions, you know, that we want to achieve and, and getting to know God, is, which hopefully is one of our passions, you know, if we don't have diligence in there, we're not going to see those things accomplished. We're not going to see the, the level that God called us to. So most importantly today, I also want to say, let's, let's be found faithful. At the end of our lives, whatever that span is, let us be found faithful. But first, again, I want to bring up always a little bit of my background because my background doesn't match what I'm talking about, Okay. I grew up immersed in worldly pop culture like most people, you know, and that are not in church. You know, I didn't grow up a church kid. And so I was 
watching tons and tons of TV as a kid. And my mom had to work night shifts and so a lot of, for a season, and so a lot of times homework was the last thing on my mind. It was like, I'm just going to go hang out and have fun, and we're going to, how many of you guys grew up with the cassette tape era, right? We'd spend afternoons, an entire afternoon, trying to make the perfect mixtape. Remember those? And you're like just wanting the radio DJ to stop talking so you can get the perfect dub in right at the right moment, right? I'd waste hours doing this just to make a silly cassette tape. And I wasn't getting my homework done. And so I didn't grow up with, you know, putting emphasis on personal discipline or having good study habits. And so, but you know what? Like most people, I had big dreams, right? All of us have big dreams. We think about, oh, you know, I want to be this one day or that one day. I used to want to be a basketball player. I used to, I know you laugh. Stop it. Oh, that was cold. That's cold. I wanted to be an Air Force pilot at one point. I wanted to be a famous singer, you know. Whatever, like, was just cool at the moment. But I had no diligence in my life. I watched a ton of basketball games and a bunch of tennis matches because at one point I wanted to be a tennis player. And and all the time, but I never really got out and practiced all that often. I had no clue how to accomplish those dreams. And man, you guys already stole my joke. I was nowhere near tall enough to make it into the NBA either. But you guys knew that. <laughs> so when I first got saved at 12 years old, like I've shared before, I had great growth initially because I was just blown away by God all of a sudden in our life. My whole family. And so I had this great growth initially, 12, 13, 14 years old, super growing in the Lord because I was so excited for the Lord. But you know what? I didn't have discipline in my life. And so over time, I lost my focus on God and my passion for God. Isn't it funny? We start to lose our focus first. Distractions, worries, cares. And then over time, our passion to go pray and passion to read the word starts to slip. Because what we focus on, we, we stay, what we stay on diligently, we end up having the passion for. And so we start to come, you know, then the enemy wants to, us to blame ourselves and blame God when we just need to get back on the ball. We just need to get back focused. So eventually, you know, a teenager who's starting to get distracted, I started caring about selfish things again. And I started looking for the approval of my friends more than God. And I backslid. And so later when I rededicated my life to the Lord... I had to start figuring out how to actually build real discipline in my life with God. I had to start, like, I knew where I was before, how I'd fallen. I'd gotten back into temptations. I'd gotten back into self-centered living, gotten back into condemnation and, and, and being just, you know, like running from the Lord instead of running to the Lord. And Proverbs 13.4 says this, the slacker craves yet has nothing. But the diligent is fully satisfied. That is a, that's a, like a live tool. It's not even just about God. This is, the slacker craves things, right? We all want these awesome things in our lives, but we slack. We, we, we don't do anything about it. We talk about it, and it's just so that you have nothing. But the diligent is fully satisfied. Have you ever really wanted to reach a goal, but you didn't know how to accomplish it? That's me right here. Do you ever find yourself struggling to accomplish those goals when it comes to your work or your passions, right, or your relationships, in, you know, in life and, or relationship with God? I mean, that's all of us. Even now in, you know, my 40s, I can get a big creative idea, but if I don't write it down, 
and pay attention to it and, and kind of focus on it, it's just a great idea that's gone. It just, oops, what was that thing I was thinking about last week? <laughs> you know, all of us have probably gotten excited about God and made a commitment, or you wouldn't be in this room probably. But have you quickly gotten distracted? Have you gotten discouraged? Right? The enemy wants to throw a mistake on our, you know, that happens to us or a decision we make that's wrong and just blows it up in our mind and it just causes us to lose our diligence. We just start to withdraw. We start to feel like, you know, we believe lies that God doesn't, you know, is, is so disappointed in us or something. And he, he sold out, man. God went all in, right? So he's not quitting. Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions that are a little bit in your face. Do you find it easier to watch TV, play video games, watch YouTube, text your family and friends more than spending time praying or reading the word? That's me. I'm not judging anyone. I struggle with that. And you know why? Because those things are convenient. Right? They're convenient. They're easy. They don't require much effort. You know, they're just shiny things on our phones or, or just an easy thing to do. That's just like instant reward, right? I don't have to think about it. I don't have to change. I don't have to deal with anything. It's just fun. They're easier for our minds to kind of focus on. Because they don't bring us a challenge or a resistance in our lives that we're living now that doesn't line up to how we want to grow and who we want to be in Christ. And so those things are kind of default, right? And that's what the enemy's counting on. The enemy's counting on us to let ourselves be more focused on the things that are easy and that are comforting and that are not something I have to make a challenge or decision on that I really want to make, right? So... Before we move on, I want to tackle a common lie. Some of you guys might be sitting here and saying, well, I'm not really diligent at anything, right? Like you think of diligence because we're talking about the aspect of it that's good. But let's be honest, it's, it's, it's whatever you get fixated on. It's whatever becomes so passionate to you that you go for. Okay, so diligence, the, the definition is this, a constant and earnest effort to accomplish what's undertaken. Persistent ex exertion of your body or your mind on something. So typically there's a few things that you absolutely love to do. Like if I had conversations with you, you know, and start to get to know you, pretty soon if I'm asking you questions, you're going to start to really show what you care about, right? You're really passionate about a sport. You're really passionate about a certain team. You're passionate about your family. You're passionate about camping. You know, whatever. I mean, it can be whatever. You, there's things that we care about that we invest time and effort into, right? There's diligence in all of us. There is. Don't let the enemy think, well, you know, whatever, I just don't, I don't know, you know. No, that's not true. There's things we all care about and we spend time on. It's about learning to take those things and, and find out what matters most. So the truth is most of us are diligent at something. What are you diligent in? Think about it. Ask yourself that question. Are you, are you diligent about sports? Are you diligent about your fitness, right? Some of us are like fitness gurus. I am not that. I'm that person that wants it. <laughs> But I've not put in the time and effort yet. All right. Are you passionate about music, right? Passionate about your career? Because, you know, it's, it's an awesome, fun thing that you love to do. Or you're, you see the value in it and how it provides for your family, right? Are you passionate about studying? Students, right? Some of you guys are, like, super on it. You love, I mean, you're diligent about your homework. Not me again. <laughs> Man, my first time in college, I literally was told, you cannot come back. Like, you have like a 1.7 GPA, dude, and you owe us a lot of money. It was embarrassing. 
Luckily, in my 30s, I went back, and I had almost a perfect 4.0 because I learned diligence and by the grace of God, right? I'm not bragging. That's so weird. I should have said that. <laughs> so weird. I'm sorry. All right. But are you, you know, some of you guys are diligent about your relationships, right? You care about relationships, and you invest time in those relationships. So there's diligence there. In fact, I want to quote something from John Maxwell, who is, uh, you know, one of these uh, productivity uh, leadership gurus. And he says, I've never known someone who was successful that wasn't diligent, that wasn't faithful, that didn't continually do the thing that they needed to do. Isn't that cool? That's a powerful quote. I've never known someone who wasn't successful, who was successful that wasn't diligent, that wasn't faithful at what they did, that didn't continually do the thing they needed to do. That's powerful. Psalms 119, the psalmist in, uh, that, that's writing this, he's writing about God and diligence. He says this, how happy are those whose way is blameless, whose wa who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. And this is kind of a wild one. They do nothing wrong. They walk in all his ways. Now, last time I checked, I don't, I don't do nothing wrong. I don't walk in his ways. What I think that the psalmist is saying here, this is like the archetype, the ideal of what you can be as a Christian if you give all yourself to the Lord. That you don't walk in, you don't do wrong. You, you walk in his ways. It's a high standard to try to get to. And, and before Christ, I don't even know. You're like, how would you even, but he's declaring a truth. Right? That happy is this person who walks according to the Lord. Listen to what verse 4 says. He basically lays out what God expects. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. Diligently kept. Not just haphazardly. And then get this in verse 5. He laments, if only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes. Isn't that powerful? That's reality. Let's not walk in falsehood and say, yeah, I've got it. No, like I love it that right after he says the Lord commands this stuff, he goes, oh, I wish. If only... He says, then I would not be ashamed when I think about your commands. I will praise you with, my up, with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. And then he cries out, never abandon me, Lord. Never abandon me. That's a powerful psalm. And see, first he declares, this psalmist in verse 4, like how God wants to be followed by his people. According to his instruction and keeping his precepts with diligence. And then the psalmist expresses, again, how he wishes, if only my ways were committed. In other words, think about it like this. If only my way of living, if only my habits were committed to keeping your precepts, your statutes. You could say that we are all products of our habits. Either the undisciplined bad habits or intentional disciplined habits. We're a product of those things, right? Right? And it's crazy how undisciplined, unplanned, you didn't plan it. You're not like set out to be a lazy person. You didn't set out to be addicted to something. You didn't set out to, to make bad habits over and over again in your life. And yet, those things can take over our lives, right? Unhealthy eating, watching tons of TV, sleeping in all day, addictions. They try to come in and they, be, they form a habit. And they're undisciplined. And so they're trying to destroy us from what God has for us. And there's other forms of things that are not like, like diligence, sorry. Last-minute attempts, right, to, oh, I forgot all about that. Let me get that done. Half-hearted effort, right, because you're not, your heart's not 100% in it. 
you're not really wanting to do it, and so you don't have that heart of diligence. Getting scatterbrained, you know, that's, I can struggle with that. <laughs> Being haphazard about it, right? Like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, not taking things as serious, right? Or just not having a plan or a routine. Or you've developed intentional, disciplined habits, right? When there's areas of your life, think about areas of your life that you've seen success in your life. And it's because somehow, some way, it's either wired in you or God has put it in you. I want to get disciplined in this. I want to be strong in this area. And you see great results, right? I have a picture of Steph Curry. And he, I don't know anything about, like, I'm not talking about all, like, praises of Steph Curry. It's just he is known for having such discipline off the court. Like, 12 months of the year, he is training. He is taking thousands of shots. So that, that now he's like the, the, I think he's the highest three-point shooter of all time now in 13 years of being in the NBA or something like that. And it's because he does more off the court than he ever does on the court. And there's tons of NBA players who have raw talent and are amazing, but they don't have those kind of stats that he has. And he's not the biggest guy or the fastest guy, but you know what? He's an all-time great. Why? Because he... He loves the process, it said. I read it, the article. He loves the process of being disciplined. He loves the routine of challenging himself to make all the shots he can. Half court, cross the court, all kinds of crazy stuff he challenges himself with. And that's why he sees the success. So now let's talk about diligence, the good side of it. The other word for diligence that you can look in the word is persistence, endurance, faithfulness. That's what diligence looks like, right? And he says this in Romans 2, verses 6 through 8. This is Paul talking to the Romans, and he's talking about God. He says, he will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality in Christ. Let's make sure it's, we realize it's the context is he's talking about knowing Christ and walking in Christ. Not just doing these things on their own. He goes, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. So he's, I mean, that's a strong word. Because outside of God's grace, there has to be justice. There has to be a set mark here. And then in Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 12, he says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve. So he's talking to the church and he's saying, God's not going to forget those things. He's, he's just. He goes, now we desire, this is Paul, again, to the Hebrews saying, we desire... That each of you demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of the hope. Not just being awesome at helping people, but have that diligence for the full assurance of your hope. Stay with it to the end. Stick with it. Because get this in verse 12. So that you won't become lazy, but will be imitators of those who inherit the full promises through faith and perseverance. That's a challenging an encouraging word too. But he's saying, come on, let's be real. In our walk, not everyone makes it to the end. Why? Because the enemy finds a way to get you. To either give up on God or you give up on yourself. And you can become lazy. We can become lazy if we're not careful. So God's challenging us. It's not the funnest thing to share with you guys, but God doesn't want us to let us become lazy because we've known him for so long that we, we start to care more about the things in our daily life than we do about him. And we don't challenge ourselves to stay diligent on the Lord. Like, 
It could be where you start to let go months go by that you're really seeking the Lord and really doing, you know, studying the word and really talking to him. You're doing the motions. It's like when you're in a marriage that where you're, you're kind of going through the motions, but you're not connecting anymore, right? God says, connect with me. Stay diligent. Come to me. I want to leave you with this. It says, consistent discipline behind the scenes will produce excellence in the key moments of your life. Consistent discipline behind the scenes is what actually produces excellence in the key moments. We can't fake it and then make it. You know what I mean? That whole line, oh, just fake it till you make it, man. No, it's going to get proven out, right? If you don't do the, the time behind, the, it's like if, if you're in school. If you ain't doing the studying, if you're not getting the homework done, it ain't going to show up last on the last day and be like, woo, I got an A. No, it doesn't happen. So if we want to make it to the end, if we want to stick to the end, we have to have consistent discipline. We have to have diligence. We have to apply diligence. Not just hear about diligence today, but apply it in your life, and then you'll see great results. Again, this is a challenging word for me because there's areas in my life that I'm like, I've been talking, I'm going to do this and that forever. <laughs> I've done it. I've been changed because I'm not putting in the diligence. And honestly, being diligent with, will, will help in any area of your life, right? I mean, not get you in the NBA because there are things you have to have skill <laughs> to go along with the diligence. But you are going to see some accomplishment, I think. Right? I got better at being a basketball player a little bit. I got better at being a tennis player. You know, I sing, so I love to practice singing. So I was probably more diligent in that than anything, and I feel like I've gotten some results. So whatever you set your heart to and be diligent at, you're going to have those moments where in those key moments where it really matters, right? If you're spending time with Jesus every day and you're not letting the world be louder in your ear than his love, then when those key moments happen, you're not going to lose your mind like everyone else around you is. That's where it hits the rubber, hits the road here. There's Christians being taken out because they're listening to the news cycle way more. And even if you're on the right side of the thought, you're angry and you're stirring in bitterness and rage because your heart's not close to the love of the Father. That was not even in my notes, but I know it. it's a battle that we're facing. I had this little kind of cheesy thing here that I did. Um, so show that formula slide. <laughs> so goals... Plus what? Diligence, flip the slide, equals an accomplishment. Goals plus diligence will give you an accomplishment. So without that key part of the formula, we're not going to get the goals we seek. And I'm talking to myself. It's vital to grow in diligence for the most worthwhile causes of our lives. And honestly, there's not a greater cause than knowing God. There just isn't. Even, even Jesus, when he's talking and praying to the Father in John, I think, 14 or 17, he's saying, you've given the Father, you've given the Son eternal life. He goes, and that is to know you, the Father and the Son you've sent. Not heaven. Heaven's a great part of it. But eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. That's what Jesus himself said to the Father. 2 Corinthians 8 says this, now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and, and in your love for us, Excel also in the act of grace. Excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence. See, to know God and to have that wisdom that comes from him, we have to search it earnestly. 
There's an earnest. Diligence also means earnestly searching. There's different connotations in the word that are broken down diligently. And one of them is to search. Because wisdom's available. Wisdom, air quotes, guys, not all of it's actual wisdom. So there's a little sarcasm in my, my point there. But there's worldly wisdom and then there's godly wisdom. And you're going to get one in your face all the time and that's worldly wisdom. And then godly wisdom, we have to search. We have to push for it. We have to push against everything else that's coming, our upbringing, our expectations of ourselves, our insecurities, the lies from the, the world that's propagating at us. We have to push against it into truth. Because worldly wisdom is available. It's looking for us rather than we looking for it. So we have to search for God's wisdom because his worldly wisdom, I mean because God's wisdom is worth seeking and, and we have to look for it. Sorry, I got all botched up there. But we've got to be diligent. And we have to have personal diligence in our lives. So as I start to wrap up, I want to ask you this. We talked about Steph Curry and how he was, like, really, really good at basketball. And that's a, that's a good, noble thing, right? There's things that we're diligent in, but are they worthwhile things? Some of us get caught up in our career. I did it. I, I shared my story one time when I talked about how I was so obsessed with getting a raise or a promotion. Not a raise, but a promotion. That I was, like, just after it like a crazy person. And I, and I told myself it's because I care about my family. But it's really because it was my ego. And I, and I said, I put in the work, I've killed myself, and why am I not getting this? And the Lord had to humble me because I made dumb decisions. I quit my job, took a new job, and the Lord did not tell me to do that. I just said, I'm, I'm taking care of my family, I'm taking care of my own. And that job laid me off in four months. And I'm sitting there with my box saying, what, my little, you know, mailbox, like, what do I do? And you know what the Lord told me? Go back to your old job. Anything but that. <laughs> And I went back to my old job. And he provided. Within two weeks, I had my old job back, and other people were still looking for work. And I was still getting a severance check. <laughs> and so the Lord humbled me, though. He says, you're doing this for you. You're diligent, but you're doing it for yourself, dude. And I humbled myself. And that actually is what led me to start thinking, I'm not chasing the corporate ladder anymore. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to go back to ministry because that's my heart. I was, I was hiding that behind trying to be achieving and God says, that's not what you should be diligent in, dude. Now that I look back, that's what he was saying. Sometimes we have to let go of wasteful and unhealthy things in our lives. Right? They're out of balance. They're focused on us. They're not what God wants you to be diligent in. You might be, some people in here are like type A, you get it done, or you're conscientious people. And you're like, dude, I got diligence. You know, like, what's your problem? <laughs> I've always been on top of my game, right? But is what you're diligent about what the Lord wants you to be diligent about? That's what I have to ask myself. Am I getting caught up in just making me look good and doing what I want? Or am I diligent on caring about others and reaching out to others and loving others and being whatever God wants me to be? And if he puts me in a little corner and that says, that's your area of influence, I got to be okay with that. Not just diligence for my glory. Focus on what matters. Focus, we need to focus on what matters. It's the most worthwhile things in our life that deserve our focus and our diligence. It, it, we can't let ourselves just walk around doing whatever makes us feel good about ourselves and what we want to accomplish. Romans 12, 11 challenges us with this. Do not lack diligence in your zeal. Why would he say that? 
if he doesn't care about it. And that's what he matters to, to the Lord. We have to stay on it. I feel like today I'm just doing like this kind of like loving on the church but being like, about because God wants us to come up to where he wants us. Not for like guilt tripping. It's so that you can actually see the success you're looking for in your life. You want joy. You want peace. You want like purpose that really matters that's not empty. Follow the Lord. Go deep with Jesus. Get back to what got you excited about Jesus in the beginning. Right? It's easy to lose it. It's easy to lose it after we've been a Christian a while. Focus on what matters. Too many people, myself included, react to what life throws at us, right? We just react. It's like, oh, man, I didn't expect that. Oh, no. And then we, like, either get on our game or we struggle, right? Or we just react to what the culture is constantly putting us in front of us. And all of a sudden, we're, we're agreeing with something we knew the Lord does not agree with that. And yet we're okay with it. What we watch, what we agree with, what we vote for. Because it's not, over time we've lost, we've just reacted to what the world's doing. What the world's telling us. So we've got to guard ourselves. I think, honestly, this is a personal opinion. The greatest challenge you and I as Western cultured Christians are going to face is getting distracted. By self-centered goals and worldly forms of entertainment and activity. Now, I'm not saying all that stuff's not good and it's not fun to go do whatever you do. Play sports, go hunting, whatever. Like, that's, it's all good. I'm not, I'm saying, is it more? Is it a distraction? Is it, has it become, what we do, is it more of a distraction to us than just a, a, like an extra thing we get to do with Jesus because we're so close to him and it's fun to go do these things in our family? Or it's fun to go and pursue these, these goals because God's put it in our hearts to do them. Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 15. He says, practice these things. All the instruction he's been giving Timothy, his son in the Lord, right? This young up-and-coming minister. And he says, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress, get this, may be evident to all. So when we're diligent in things, it becomes evident to all, right? You look at somebody, you see, again, a basketball player, you see a singer, you see someone that's made it somewhere in life, or a successful business person. They didn't become that overnight. It's because they became evident, like, hey, they're diligent on this. They're working their tail off. They're getting it done. And so when we do that, as Christians, it should be evident to all. So I want to just ask you to stick with a daily, make and get a daily or weekly pl plan to achieve the goals that God has for you. I just want to be practical. I can talk all this all day and then you go, oh, that was awesome. And then you forget. Ask the Lord, God, what are those things in my life during the week that you want me to have a goal? You want me to stick with? James, can you come on up? As I finish up, there's a, a chapter, uh, sorry, a scripture, 1 Corinthians 9. Where again, Paul's talking and he says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all run the race? Or all race. But only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything, right? Are we competing, first of all? Are we pushing? Because I want to I know the Lord. I want to be used by the Lord. I want to be close to him. I want to be like diligent in this or diligent in that in my life. Everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. 
They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we, we're doing it for an imperishable crown. Isn't that awesome? So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself might not be disqualified. Now before you say, hold on, he's, a, he's talking to a preacher here, I'm good. I'm not a preacher. Our lives preach to others. Our lives are preaching to others. And we might talk a good talk, but we've got to caution ourselves, am I acting differently with my life? I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want people to say, yeah, he talks a good game, but that guy's a jerk. <laughs> he is self-centered. He doesn't care about people. Priester or not, pastor or not, I don't want people to think that of my life. I hope that my life will, 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 because of the discipline in my life and living under the Lord, will, whoa, what's different about you? I remember those moments, not thinking about it, because I'm a Christian, I haven't drank alcohol in forever, and here I'm working in these corporate jobs, and we're going out, and they're like, whoa, how come you ain't drinking nothing? I have no reason, I just, I'm just a Christian, I don't, I don't want to do that. Oh, okay, you know, and then they're, but that's in their head now. Not me trying to prove anything, or you guys are just heathens and you shouldn't be doing this. No. I'm just trying to be different. I'm trying to live for him. I remember getting challenged one time in my job to pray for someone. Tell them, hey, can I pray for you about that? And I'm like, I do not want to do that. Because I'm like putting myself on the spot with a guy that's definitely not a Christian. And he just took aback, you know, like, what? Because he had an injury and I said, can I just pray for it? You know, and not that anything happened, but it, it he made him, like, totally see me a little differently then. And there's plenty of times I've botched it, but I'm trying to, to be diligent in this area. Bottom line is this, guys. God is challenging us to be determined to be diligent in seeking him, in resisting temptation to sin and living for our, myself, and in obeying his word. If we're diligent in those things, seeking him. And then not just that, but resisting temptations diligently, right? We're going to see a difference. We're going to see a difference in our lives. In Matthew 24, verses 45 through 47, and I'm wrapping up, I promise. Jesus says this. It's actually after the parable where he talks about the parable of the talents, right? Where he gives, he's saying this guy gave you know, three of his servants, different amounts of money, and said, go invest this, put this to work. And at the end of all that, Jesus says this, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? It says, blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Oh, I want to be found doing the job. As a believer... Not minister, that's, that's a different thing. I want to be found as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, found doing what he wanted me to be doing today. It's a challenge. I have to look at myself in the mirror on this, guys. There's so many areas i got to grow in. But we, we have to, here's the thing. When we know the truth is here, we can't just look away 
and we can't give excuses and we can't hide. The love of God compels us to step forward. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not, his, not badgering, not beating you over with a Bible. No, it's his kindness that says, man, he has loved me so much. I'm compelled to face the music. I have to step into the light. I can't back down. We can't just seek him whenever it's convenient or when there's a crisis. That's what I think a lot of us struggle with. We kind of just do it when it's, oh yeah, today's an easy day. I should spend some time praying. Or, oh no, there's a crisis. I got to run back to God. I've done that. I've done that. We can't just resist temptation every once in a while. Or when we feel really convicted or motivated, you know, by like a guy like me preaching about it. We can't just only read and obey the word of God at church or in a Bible study. We have to do it every day. That's the loving father prodding us saying, come on, do it diligently. Just spend time with me. All that stuff will work itself out. Circumstances in your life, the worries, the fears, all of it is secondary. Just talk to me. Just stay diligent with me. Have relationship with me and all the other stuff. He says, he who delights himself in the Lord, right, he will give him the desires of his heart. Boy, that's been a powerful statement in my life to remember that every time. I better start delighting in the Lord because I am so fixated on what's wrong with me, what's wrong with them, what's whatever, what's wrong with life, what's wrong with America. Stop. Stop. The Lord says, delight yourself in me. I will take care of your life. I will give you the desires of your heart. So close your eyes real quick. What would your life look like? Ask this question of yourself. What would my life look like if I were intentional and focused on God? Ask the Lord to give you that kind of vision. Would it be getting up in the morning and praying for five, ten minutes? That's okay. Do it. If it's at night, do it. What's it look like in your life? I'm going to take scripture. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to put it on the mirror to remind myself of his love and his truth, right? What can we do to be diligent at following the Lord? What can we do? And I want to ask you this. Ask God to show you what areas of distraction you need to let go of in order to be more diligent. It might be, honestly, let me, let me be in your face. It might be a relationship that it's got to go. They're a bad influence. They're getting you to be self-centered, self-pity, wasting your life on complaints of the world. You might have to cut a relationship off. You might have to change your TV watching habits because you're spending hours doing that and struggling to do five minutes of prayer. I'm talking to everybody, myself included. Ask the Lord, show me, Lord, what are areas of distraction? What are areas I need to let go of so that I can really be diligent? And determine in your heart where you're at. Make it an altar between you and the Lord, where you're at, to make a commitment. Not that you're going to get it perfect, but God, I'm going to be committed to, to following you more diligently. And then stick with it. Stick with it as long as you can. You're going to build great habits in your life. You're going to see results because you're drawing near to the Lord. So, Father, we finish up tonight by, today by saying, Lord, have your way in our lives. And 
Lord, not only that, but we surrender to what you have for us. And we ask you to help us to be diligent. Help us to, to be the way we go about our lives becomes consistent, becomes committed, becomes more disciplined so that we can reap the rewards of knowing you and being used by you and growing in the areas that you've got for us. Help our lives just in general get stronger by us learning diligence fully and, and, and create more than we consume in Jesus' name. That we would create more for you and for our families than we consume for ourselves. We love you, Lord. We ask you, be with us today in Jesus' name. If there's someone here that you don't know the Lord, this is an opportunity for you to, to reach out to the Lord. Our pastors are going to come up on here in a second as we enter altar time. And, and I just encourage you, if there's something, an area that you, you feel like you want to pray with someone about because you've been struggling with letting that thing go, do that. If, the, if you want to make a decision to know Jesus, come up here. We'll talk to you. We'll pray with you. So let's just enter into that time as we enter into worship as well. In Jesus' name.